There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 23rd, 2010. I always suggest to newcomers to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, scroll down, bookmark all the other sites I have up there, all the other official sites, and that way when the big ones go down, which they sometimes do, you can download the latest shows from these other sites. Now there's, there's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com there's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, there's cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca, there's also an org actually, but it's down right now, and there's Alan Watt cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, there's Alan Watt sentient, sentinel.eu, which is a European site, and that has all the same audios for download, but it has addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given in the past, which you can download for print up and pass them around to your friend, and choose from the various languages of Europe as well. It's a very popular site. And remember that you are the audience who bring me to you, because I could certainly get paid for doing what I'm doing through advertisers and so on, but I prefer to do it my own. The advertising you hear on this show is paid by the advertisers straight to RBN for the airtime and for broadcasting this on satellite, internet, and so on. So it's up to you to keep me going. Um... The advertisers pay for the airtime, they pay for the staff, they pay for the equipment, the bills, the RBN, and it's very expensive to broadcast, especially on satellite these days. So you can help out by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, seeing what I have for sale there, the books, CDs, DVDs, etc., and you can purchase them. Personal check is good from the U.S. to Canada, you can use PayPal as well from the U.S. or anywhere else as lo- as to donate as well as you set and send a separate email for purchase, and I'll know what you mean. You can use MoneyGram, Western Union. In the U.S., you can also use International Postal Money Order from your post office. Stress International Postal Money Order, not the internal green one, before you leave the office. And outside the America, same idea. You can use you can use um, Western Union, MoneyGram. You can also use PayPal for donations or for purchasing with a separate email along with a donation. Or you can send cash. Cash is good as well. That gets cashed at the back. They take a little chunk out of it, but it saves some of the... the it's amazing how much they charge just to wire money from one country to another. The cut they take out is just incredible. But, of course, the banks are very greedy, and we all know that. Those who get the disc burned and passed around to them can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, the number 1, P3E4N1. 
Now, I, as I like to talk about reality because it's the hardest thing to find in a system that you're born into that's been established for an awful long time. And this has happened across the world, regardless of what system you think you're born into. When the state becomes all-powerful, then you're in a basically a totalitarian system that has one job, and that's to perpetuate itself. It must defend itself and look after itself, first and foremost, over anything else. It doesn't matter if it's communist, capitalist, or whatever they want to call it. It's really all the same thing. It's a minority ruling over the majority, and that's what previous revolutions really were supposed to eliminate. But it doesn't happen, does it? The state's all-powerful. Back with more after these messages. Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. I just mentioned before the break there how revolutions were supposed to at one time alter and bring in a new a type of system of running ourselves. And the, the Soviets tried it of course but the first thing that they broke was one of the major tenets of Marx and that was that they would do away with the state. It would eventually wither away into some, some sort of utopia where everyone is self-disciplined and just works with everyone else. Um, that never really happened. But the idea for, for revolutions from the French Revolution onwards was to basically do that. And, and what it really ended up doing was to create a more powerful totalitarian state which ran the lives of everyone else. Uh, the so-called capitalist countries came out of revolutions in a sense with the English Revolution and the rise in the merchant classes uh, that became the, the tenant relief or, or the basis for the, the modern capitalist system. And since then, they've gone through what appear to be changes to the general public and they even use the word revolution, the sexual revolutions, all the different revolutions they had planned to, to take down society to make them easier, manage, easier to manage um, from the government. So how can the established government be in charge of revolutions? People don't really think about that except those in academia who know it quite well. But uh, the revolutions that they talk about uh, are actually planned changes from the top in society that will suit the powerful state uh, even in a more uh, easy-to-control fashion. That's why they design and allow it and promote it from the top. The same thing about separating the generations was part of that too, till the state becomes all-powerful uh, with in charge of... of classifications of generations right to the elderly where they just pop them off into elderly homes, confiscate their homes, sell them off for their care and then give them their various drugs that kill them off rather quickly and they're left with all the cash. This is actually the world that we live in. But if you read the books by Jacques Attali and others who talked about the millennium, that was one of his books, uh, and his last book, Jacques Attali being uh, one of the guys involved in the architecture for the European Union and he also was an advisor to different French presidents and I think now he's at the United Nations he laid out the, what the course for America uh, that, that really was planned the one that is planned, the takedown of America you might say with the, the merging 
the, the period of merging with Latin America, South America. And he said eventually in the global society that they're bringing in the creme de la creme of academia, who come out of academia, will travel across the world looking for jobs. They're the one, they're the new nomadic class, but they will be jetting across the world from job to job, very high paid specialist type jobs, while the rest are left within the countries and they'll eventually take to the boats and become the next boat people looking for work elsewhere. It's a takedown, it's a planned takedown, and it was planned an awful long time ago and written about, as I say, by various foundations like uh, the Fabian Society that works with the Royal Institute for International Affairs-CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. The same group that Professor Carl Quigley, the historian for the same group, uh, mentioned in his two books, Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. He even said that uh, the public don't know that one group have been behind all of the wars for the last hundred-odd years. All of them. Didn't say most of them, he said all of them. For geopolitical purposes. And quickly, and others, other historians and philosophers have written books about the takedown of societies in the past, how societies uh, go through certain declines as they're being taken down. Uh, part of it is when the money people, the people who run the money system, even in ancient times, moved out. The, everything collapses behind them. Uh, not immediately, of course, because the powerful state still taxes everything. So they still try and keep a, a standard of living for themselves at the top by high taxations. And then confiscations of other people's property, farming, all that kind of stuff, land, accumulate land. And as they're doing this, a debauched society is promoted, and uh, by the, even the, the ancient entertainment industry, you can read about that from Plato's Republic, he talks about the entertainment industry um, thousands of years ago, and how people emulate it. They, they promote uh, sexual uh, um, promiscuity and all kinds of deviances, and that happens at the end of a civilization as well. Therefore, when you have these things happening, if you want to take down a society, you must introduce the same formulas, because these are formulas, you understand, to take down societies. And those at the top and the various societies, like the Fabians and Royal Institute for International Affairs, who are all really branches of the same group, specializing in their own area, uh, these groups planned to reduce the population for the coming world society they wanted to have as I say, well over a hundred years ago. And they foresaw at that time the post-industrial era uh, where they would have too many people to serve their purposes. They wouldn't have the factories for them to work in. Uh, They'd already taken them off of the land that they used to live on so they couldn't go back to farming. And apart from that, the agri-food businesses, the big corporations would take over farming, as the UN said uh, itself, at one of his meetings, that farming was too important to be left to farmers. So here you have all these people crowded in these uh, cities. These are the human jungles, as they're called, where because it's unnatural for people to be put into cities. Even Plato talked about the, the rising of the beehive cities, and that's how they would bring in their future, because those within a city are living in an artificial environment, all, all dependent on money. 
You can't just barter your way through a city. You've got to have money to pay your rent, etc., and to get around and to buy your food. So therefore, they've been very successful with that. And plus, they also know, uh, and every psychological association and university who deals with psychology knows that uh, in cities, just like the, the rats in a cage, they're fine to get a certain number, but because of the cramped living conditions, the crowded streets, etc., they end up promoting all kinds of deviant behavior. Uh, even rats will, will, can be very sociable uh, and with their own little bits of territory and can get along for a, until a magic number is reached, and then they start to bite each other and fight with each other, and then sexual deviancy breaks out as well. Same thing with humanity. Therefore, those at the top actually promote it. And the reason you're seeing this totalitarian uh, police state across the world um, immediately formed at the same time by sheer chance, we're supposed to believe, although it took many years to plan in advance, was to deal with this phase and the takedown, the depopulation. And as I said before, in the plan to take down the populations, uh, part of it was to do with the third world countries. They would be easily managed, as Mr. Holdren himself said in the book he helped co-author uh, with um, uh, other environmental nutcases, basically, and human haters. There were human haters, Paul Ehrlich, and his wife, who belonged to the Club of Rome. Um, Ecoscience was the book that he helped write. Uh, he said they could, because the people in the third world countries were ignorant, they'd believe that if medicine and medical aid from the West was going to help them, they'd welcome them in, not really realizing the injections they were getting were actually sterilizing them. And that's proven, by the way. They were giving them all free tetanus shots that were laced with a particular chemical and a, a bacterium, too. So... That was for the, for the third world countries. For the West, they would need another way around it because there's more education in the West. We'd be more suspicious. We ask questions, uh, and uh, they'd have to find another way. Environmentalism was the key. Too many people, the, the plan, planet was going to kill us all off, or we'd kill the planet, and therefore would have to start taking away the, the industries, the work situations, bring in poverty, disease, and so on, slowly under the guise of we can't sustain this anymore, we're just broke, etc. So you have to have a financial takedown as well. And then we'd start to die off as time went on. And again, that's what we're going through right now. It's the same scenario. Planned a long time ago, but to the general public, promoted by the media, uh, all these ideas are meant to be scattered and just one-off things, all happening by chance, one day after another. They're all completely connected, completely connected. There's an article here from Business Week. It's called The Lost Generation. I can remember when they went through the yuppies and then there was something after that. Then there was Generation X, the kind of write-offs. That's what it meant, the written-off generation. And now they're just calling The Lost Generation. Uh, this is, article is from October the 8th, 2009. But it said here, Bright, eager and unwanted. While unemployment is ravaging just about every part of the global workforce, the most enduring harm is being done to young people who can't grab onto the first rung of the career ladder. Affected a range of young people from high school dropouts to college grads to newly minted lawyers and MBAs across the developed world from Britain to Japan. I, mean, I talked about the creme de la creme will travel across the world, as Italy said, and the rest will, tough luck. If you can't get a burger-tossing job, uh, you might sweep the streets if they're, they'll be even fighting for those jobs shortly. 
One indication, the U.S. unemployment rate for 60 to 24-year-olds has climbed to more than 18% from 13% a year ago. For people just starting their careers, the damage may be deep and long-lasting, potentially creating a kind of lost generation. Studies suggest that an extended period of youthful joblessness can significantly depress lifetime income as people get stuck in jobs that are beneath their capabilities or come to be seen by employers as damaged goods. Equally important, employers are likely to suffer from the scarring of a generation. The freshness and vitality young people bring to the workplace is missing. Tomorrow's would-be star employees are on the sidelines, deprived of experience and losing motivation. In Japan, which has been down this road since the early 90s, workers who started their careers a decade or more ago are now in their 30s and account for 6 to 10 reported cases of depression. All this and music coming in. I'll be back with more on this after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just going through a system, a technique, planned long ago and tested in other countries in the past to bring down societies for a purpose and we're living through it right now under various guises and excuses and the whole greening movement sustainability is simply part of this whole movement that was decided an awful long time ago and reiterated by different authors down through the last 70 odd, 80 odd years by people like Paul Ehrlich and Mr. John Holdren, who is now the science science czar for the U.S., Uh, a strange time to put him in there, unless it's the right time, Uh, isn't that so? But he's another article here to show you what I'm getting at here. This is from uh, the Mail Online. It's February the 22nd. It says, Domesday Book, 2010. Strip clubs soaring, libraries are disappearing, the figures which lay bare life in modern Britain. Now, remember what I said at the start. This is how you take countries down. You emulate what's happened in the past. It's not that you just follow that road as you go down. It's the fact it's all pushed and promoted from the top. That's that's why. Believe you me, if they wanted uh, some 1950s society or morality, you would be getting it. You would be getting it. Madonna would come out out with plastic surgery and be the virgin again. I'm not kidding. They, They start promoting all that stuff. They really, really would. And they can do that. They can do anything in the culture industry because we emulate what we see. But this is the one they've given us the opposite way, you see. It says here, The changing face of Britain under Labour government has been laid bare in a modern domesday book. It shows how traditional pubs, that's your taverns, post offices and libraries have gone by the wayside. In their place, bookmakers, that's the guys that take the bets for horses and greyhounds, uh, dogs and so on, nightclubs and supermarket chains have flourished. This is actually what happened in pre-Nazi Germany and Berlin and these countries. If you want to see the, the documentary about that on Sin Cities, uh, Berlin was one of them and it really goes through this whole formula that I'm talking about right there it says figures produced by the government paint a striking picture of the way in which the country has changed since 1997 they reveal a sharp decline in many of the traditional businesses and services which once sustained community life 
The Conservatives said statistics show how Labour has failed to protect vital services on which millions rely. Now, forget who says what, because we know the parties are all working cahoots. They'll get uh, funded by the same uh, organisations to get into power. The number of police stations has fallen by 160, but they've actually expanded, as we well know, their number of men. The number of hospitals and clinics is down by 580. That's just socialised medicine getting cuts deep, deep, deep. There's nothing left. While the number of schools has dropped by a staggering 2,380. That's socialism for you. Other big failures includes post offices with the number of branches down by 39% from 19,097 to 11,500 today. Almost 200 public libraries have been axed, while the number of traditional sports and social clubs has slumped by more than half, with 11,680 closing since 1997. During the same period, 3,460 traditional Pubs and bars, the pubs were like, these were like community meeting places. Everybody knew each other in the towns, etc. They have closed 3,406 of them. Businesses that have done well out of the Labour government include a number of less wholesome ones. They include the bookmakers, that's the guys who do the, the bet, take the bets, with branch numbers up by 39% from 3,270 to 4,540, and casinos whose numbers have jumped by 27%. The first lap dancing clubs appeared in Britain in 1995, and these are thought to have been about 24 by 1997. Now there are an estimated 300 that's lap dancing clubs, which is in years. Well, they actually have prostitution too, of course, when no one's looking. Their numbers boosted by a change in the licensing laws, which made it far easier to gain planning permission. Traditional grocers and local shops have been hit by the rising number of large supermarkets, which have soared by 49%. So you must, the, the totalitarian system must monopolize everything. And again, that's what they did in pre-Nazi Germany. They closed all the mom and pop stores down and the big chains were pushing them all out. Tory uh, community spokesman Justin Greening likened the survey to a modern-day Domesday book, the survey of land and livestock ownership in England, completed in 1086 for William the Conqueror. Ms. Greening said it showed ministers as politicians had failed to protect key services on which a large percentage of the population relied. She added, the Labour government has presided over the decline of traditional Britain and watched as her local communities are damaged. Thanks to a decade of Labour governments, local neighbourhoods have lost access to essential local services and facilities. She added, rural communities have been hit the hardest by Labour politicians, who need an A to Z to leave central London. The figures produced by the Valuation Office Agency as part of the latest re-evaluation of business rates. That's what it was done for. Uh, Mick McGlasham, who is the General Secretary of the Working Men's Club and the Institute Union, said the closure of social clubs was tearing the heart out of the the communities across the country and blamed government legislation. He said, I wish we, we... uh, which the government and people of all political parties would understand the role our clubs play in the communities where they are based. When you lose a club, you tear the heart out of a community. But what you also get, too, is that no one meets and actually talks face-to-face and discusses things and start active associations to demand things. That's why they did it. Now you're watching TV at home. Back with more after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix. Reading in how the planned takedown of the Western culture has been really well done over quite a long period of time. And believe you me, it would never have happened without it being promoted from the top down. It did not happen from the bottom up. Nothing ever really does. And the rest of this article here, uh, it says, Mick McGlasham, the General Secretary of the Working Men's Club and Institute Union, said the closure of social clubs was tearing the heart out of communities across the country and blamed government legislation. And this is where, as I say, they all met on weekends, there was dancing, all that kind of stuff. Social functions, weddings, receptions were taking place, and all that kind of local stuff. And um, and people would get together and discuss things that really mattered to the community, and often demand from the politicians uh, what should be done about it. That's why they've closed them all down. He said, "I just wish the government and people of all political parties would understand the role the clubs play in the communities where they're based. When you lose a club, you tear the heart out of a community." Chris Gorman of the Forum of Private Businesses said the figures reflected a sad and worrying trend. Many traditional businesses have been driven out by soaring costs to be replaced by chain stores and charity shops which enjoy subsidized business rates. A spokesman for the Department for Communities, this is the present government spokesman, and local government insisted that the figures did not paint a full picture of community life. So this is, the, this, this is how the government's coming back at this um, and objecting about this report. This, this PR uh, spokesman said, uh, from the government says, government-funded opinion survey suggested most people were happy with their communities. So that's his, that's his full retaliation. That's all he's going to say about it, obviously, right? What was it Bertrand Russell said about that in the scientific outlook? He says, diet injections and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce a sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable and any serious criticism of the powers that will become psychologically impossible. You can't even uh, criticize them eventually with all the stuff in you. Even if all are miserable, just like that last uh, government response here, if all are miserable, all will believe themselves happy because the government will tell them that they are so. There you are, you're happy. You just you got all mixed up. Just reverse it all. You're really happy. And that's what Bertrand Russell said would happen. And it was a, a darn good example that I just read. Now, as I say, you bring down society and you must uh, destroy. The main thing, of course, was breeding. You didn't want people to breed. Remember what Charles Galton Darwin said in his book, The Next Million Years, that's the next million years that they were going to evolve and run the world, that, you know, the elites that he belonged to, he said um, they'd have to, again, use different techniques to dump the people down, sterilize them, etc. Exactly the same thing as John Holdren and Paul Ehrlich said in their book as well. So you also what you also do is promote promiscuity. Remember Julian Huxley, who was the CEO of UNESCO, said uh, they'll sterilize the people, but at the same time promote promiscuity so there won't, will not be bonding between male and female. There's no bonding uh, when they're half sloshed and they're in the sack for five minutes with a total stranger. I mean, that literally is what the, the, the modern society has been has got and been promoted down to them from the top through every movie and so on that they watch. 
This site here is interesting. It's from savethemails.ca. And some of the stuff at the top of the, the page is actually about the porn industry. It says, uh, porn, pornography, watching bruised and drugged prostitutes by David Richards. It says, uh, February the 22nd, 2010. Now I'll put these links up, remember, on my site at the end of the show, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. If ExploreNet, this all was penalizing me for using their service, even though I was paying for high speed, gave me my double dial-up speed again. So I'll try to get them up at the end of the night. And it was about Shelley Lubin believed she was ready to shoot her first porn film. Film. She was in for a shock. She said, when I walked in, it's like a dark satanic uh, anointing just fell on me. It was creepy, it was dark, it was eerie, and it was nothing like prostitution. I knew I was in the devil's territory. This was the final frontier of Satan. This is a prostitute that went into the porn industry. It says... Um, she went, through, she went. She hit rock bottom during that uh, little ritual because these are all rituals they go through in pornography. She hit rock bottom. I, I sold what was left of my heart, mind, and femininity to the porn industry, and the woman and person in me died completely on set. Then something remarkable began to happen. She eventually managed to get her survival instincts going. She went to Christianity. And uh, I think now she's a sort of TV evangelist, and I, I, I am not for TV evangelists. I, I have, it's such a racket, I'm afraid. I've seen too much Hollywoodism in it. Uh, but anyway, this is one who got out of it. But um, you find this article goes on about the, what's really involved in the pornographic industry. It says, porn stars rarely get started out of a free-willed love of sexual ex- exhibitionism. Along with poverty and broken families, childhood abuse is very common. Many actresses admit they've experienced sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, and neglect by parents. Some were raped by relatives and molested by neighbors. When we were little girls, we wanted to play with dolls, be mummies, not have big, scary men get on top of us. So we were taught at a young age that sex made us valuable. And we must remember, too, how even 20 years ago, from the 60s onwards, all this was getting promoted, starting to get promoted, and two generations have passed since then. It says, often their teenage runaways picked up by pimps. They only escape one circle of abuse by entering into another. They can't run from the pain, so they go towards it. Fast forward a few years, and they find themselves in a zombified state, drunk and drugged on a porn set as they relive the same abuse they experienced growing up. Then she goes on and on, pretty graphic stuff here of uh, what happens in the porn industry and how really even the guys in the porn industry are actually homosexual. Um, and all the drugs that they use and so on and tricks that they play, etc. But the, it's, it's really disgusting. But here's a, and the brutality that's involved as well is just amazing. Um, it, it's just amazing. The drugs that are used and the guys too on steroids and so on, they're very violent. And um, they don't see what happens behind the scene or when the cameras are, are off. But anyway, and the disease... <laughs> It says it should be no disease, it's sexual disease that are at a pandemic level in the porn industry. With chlamydia, gonorrhea and herpes being passed from performer to performer, there's a backdrop of sickness in a porn set. In fact, they often act as laboratories for the creation of whole new sexual diseases, such as the novel herpes of the throat. When disease is added to the already traumatic nature of being a porn actress, it can all get too much, as Tamara Torin found out. Uh, so she talks about what happened to her 
and so on and so on. And then there's an article at the bottom of this page. It's well worth reading because I'm talking about the takedown of society, deliberate takedown of, from, of society by the, what you think of as a traditional entertainment industry, but it's the same industry, mind you, and all this, the same guys who work the cameras and that that do these porn stuff at night as well. And everyone at the top knows it. It's promoted. Here's an article from a, a British fellow. David is a 22-year-old British man. He writes, My generation have been conditioned to accept pornography from a young age. In primary school, I even remember my classmates having soft porn material and phoning sex lines. This is when before you're 12, right? Then growing up watching porn online was sort of fixed 15 or 16 years of age onwards all the way through university was normal for all the guys my age. This was all normal to me when what set alarm bells ringing was that when I went to college and university with a diverse range of foreign students and met girls from India, Kenya, China, Japan, Ghana, and so on, they were very different. They were warmer, more gentle and caring than English girls, and thought English guys acted like sexual animals. So I had to figure out why we were like that, and pornography is the main reason. I dated a Chinese girl. She was caring and presumed we would always be together. For my English generation, that's dinosaur thinking. But when with her, I suddenly felt tremendous stability for this first time in my life. She would care and love me no matter what, and I felt free to focus on my two main passions, politics and music. I then realized how much pornography and lack of stable relationships were making men too obsessed with sex to focus on anything important. So I came to the conclusion that pornography was an attack on us. It was an attack on us. Right on. That's exactly what it is, actually. Because, you see, any drive, instinctive drive, can be made uh, very deviant, whereas eating or whatever else it is, and it's the same with the sexual drive. And those scientists at the top that deal with all this knew that an awful line, long time ago. It's nothing new. They've done it in previous civilizations. The information is all there in universities, and it's been pushed again. And we're living through the results, and it's the takedown of society. When you cannot bond with a person and you see everyone as a sexual object, and by the way, the women are the same who have been brought up in the West. They see guys the same way. Uh, one woman told me in New York that in the summer you cannot tell who the hookers are and who the average women are. They're all dressing now the same. They're copying what they see on much music. All, all age groups, too. And how can you pretend that you are the fantasy? Because that's all this stuff is. It's fa- you cannot have a relationship with a fantasy. Male or female. This is the takedown of society. Very deliberate. Very, very deliberate. And talking about the takedown of society, here's Obit magazine. And I'll put this link up too. Now, I talked about this a few months back when it was supposedly being talked about for the first time, this new chemical that uh, they were going to use instead of cremating because it was greener. It was a green chemical better than cremating people and adding pollution to the atmosphere. But you know darn well it's it's, it's by the big chemical industries and the cartels behind them. February 16th, 2010, coming through the lie, is a little joke on it. It says, "For for the fire phobic, there's now alkaline hydrolysis, which returns the body to its ashy state via a mixture of water, heat, pressure, and potassium hydroxide 
a compound often used to make liquid soaps. The process now being marketed here and overseas under names like biocremation, resomation and water resolution is already used by medical and veterinary schools. And they do that to get the skeleton there so they can put the skeleton up on a stand, strips all the flesh off. It works like this. The corpse is placed in a stainless steel pressurized tube that is then filled with the key ingredients and heated to 330 degrees. After a few hours, all that remains is a skeleton, so soft it can be ground into ash by hand, and a greenish-brown liquid composed of amino acids, sugars, and salts. The process's biggest draw, supporters say, now the supporters obviously are those who are the undertakers and so on that are all going to make millions of bucks off this, and the chemical industry, is that, is that environmental impacts, here they're going to sell this, this is, this is disgusting, but they're going to use environmentalism to make a wonderful thing. Listen to the wording in this. The stainless steel cylinder that processes the body uses less energy to operate and produces far fewer pollutants than cremation by incineration. There's no worry that embalming fluid will further harm the earth. Neither will harm from mercury fillings, listen, which can be easily plucked from teeth and disposed of in an environmentally safe way. Once they're done with your skeleton, they'll just pull them out your mouth. It's kind of like Auschwitz or something, you know. The process also encourages recycling any foreign substance in the body, like pacemakers, replacement joints and pins, will remain intact and could possibly be used again. I guess that will be for a socialized medical care once we're all on it at the bottom, right? Although that's an entirely different discussion. And if you're really dedicated, you can take home those liquid remains and use grandma to fertilize your garden. That's the new uh, comedy you see that the youngsters have as they've been dehumanized. That's a normal comedy now. You can put grandma to fertilize your garden. Isn't that nice? Now, here's how they sell it. This is trailblazing, said Stephen Schall, division manager of sales and marketing for Pittsburgh-based Matthews International One of the companies selling the machines. We're getting a lot of inquiries from places like California, Oregon, Washington. They have an audience that is already environmentally aware. They're already, they already go to Whole Foods. They drive hybrid cars. Charles company calls the process biocremation, although the machines it sells are built by a Scottish company that calls itself and the process resomation. That's a play on the Greek resoma or rebirth of the body. By the way, it's interesting there's soma in there, isn't it? But the word also has a negative connotation, Shal said, referring to the practice of disinterring a body, then reburying it elsewhere. The new name is more explanatory, he said, and resonates better with customers. <laughs> Shal said his company will install the first biocremation machine in St. Petersburg, Florida, funeral home, early this year. Though Matthews officially partnered with Resumation Limited in 2008, it's not as easy as selling a machine and setting up shop. Every state has laws regulating disposal of human bodies, and the new process must still be included by legislation. That's not as easy as it sounds. Currently, only Minnesota, Florida, and Maine allow the process. Other states have either considered it and tabled it for later evaluation or are still debating. That means they're waiting for their payoff, but they're still debating. Why the hesitation? The potassium hydroxide is what usually stops people short. That's because the benign name hides the fact that it's a form of lie, bringing to some people's mind uh, visions of bodies and barrels in a serial killer's basement. Indeed, when the New York State Senate weighed a bill that would make alkaline hydrolysis available to the public, some called it Hannibal Lecter's bill. 
was either a play on sponsor, sponsor Kemp Hannan's name, as some attested, or an attempt to associate the entire practice with a psychopath. When Minnesota was the first state to debate the practice, the concerns were that the whole body was going down the drain, literally. So it said the Mayo Clinic's Director of Anatomical Services, Terry Regnier, he and other proponents were able to persuade legislators that wasn't true. Since 2002, Mayo, the Mayo Clinics, have used alkaline hydrolysis to dispose of about 500 bodies that had been donated for medical research. That's how they get rid of what's left of it. Next of kin are given the option of choosing other means of disposal, he said, and only one family has asked for more traditional cremation by fire. That's because most of them, you see, uh, have no relatives or it's the or there's the guys off the street, they end up there getting cut to pieces and their organs sold off and all the rest of it. <laughs> Our bodies are largely water anyway, so it's just water, and it's kind of a natural process to turn us back into what we're made of. Regner said, the public is looking for a greener way to handle their final dispositions. Nice and green. This is the horror show of the complete takedown of society, and we're living at the end of it. It's still got a bit to go, mind you, but not too much. Not, not too much left to go through. Not too much at all. Quite something. And then, before I go to the callers, there's uh, Bloomberg with an article here on Harvard's Rogoff sees sovereign defaults painful austerity. Ballooning debt is likely to force several countries to default and the U.S. to cut spending. He's talking about drastic spending. According to the Harvard University professor Kenneth Rugoff, who in 2008 predicted the failure of big American banks. And by God, are they going to hit you? Back with more after this break. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, just leaving this article from Bloomberg and this Harvard professor, and of course the rest of us too that know the agenda. Uh, he just mentions that uh, the U.S. is facing an unprecedented 1.6 trillion budget deficit in the year ending September the 30th. 1.6 trillion dollars budget deficit, and they're going to slash like crazy, and massive inflation is to follow. I'll put these links up on my site. Now I'll go to the phones, and there's Stephen from Texas. Are you there, Stephen? Uh, yeah, I'm here, Alan. Yes. Good afternoon, uh, good afternoon Alan. Uh, I've been listening to your show now for two years, and that's about how long I've been. Uh, I guess it, the time we're using is uh, awake or being awakened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like uh, the more I think I know, I get hit with a right hook on to realize that uh, I don't know anything at all. Yep. Uh, everything has really uh, been deception. And anything I look at, really, especially as it pertains to rap, yeah. um, you know, they give us the gangsters, the gangster rappers who That's actually right. rap by nothing, uh, mm-hmm. dehumanizing, uh, dehumanization, uh, 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 misogynistic uh, lyrics. And mm-hmm. then when I say, okay, well, I'm breaking away from this, I don't want to listen to this type of music. So I listen mm-hmm. to the so-called conscious music, only to find out it's sort of like politics. They, uh, both sides are equally funded by the same party, so no matter which genre you go to... You've got it. You've got it, yep. <laughs> yep. 
And so it's like, it's crazy because I looked up to so many artists like Nas, uh, Karis One, uh, Dead Press. I only realized, even Eric Badu, I only realized that these artists are just as controlled as uh, the mainstream pop artists, the Jay Z, the Rihanna, the Beyonce's. Uh, they're just as part of the, in the Illuminati uh, inner circle as any other artist. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's really uh, heartbreaking. Because you realize it's like, oh, who, you can't really trust anyone in, 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 this, in this society. Once you get into the big business, you're, you're managed completely by experts that just come right in there and they'll change your whole image. They'll have you singing stuff you'd never have dreamed of. And yeah, you might get wealthy if you've got a brain and you don't sign all their contracts. You make sure that you, very few of them do that. So, you know, they, they get ripped right off. But you're getting used. That's the whole idea is to use you. Uh, to, again, influence even younger children growing up, uh, even a few years younger than yourself, even, whatever, and uh, to, to then brainwash them into more debauchery and, and uh, dysfunction. Remember what uh, Huxley said, too, they've got to um, dehumanize the populations and bring down the sanctity of life. That's, that's, that's all age groups, including babies and unborn babies and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, it's, it's hard, and I wanted to ask you a question, uh, sort of like how Rap is controlled by both sides. You have the gangsters rap side being controlled, and also you have the conscious uh, mm-hmm. side being controlled by both parties. Yeah. Uh, I think, the, uh, it's, speaking from an uh, African-American perspective, I believe, you know, we really lost out on our culture a long time ago, especially mm-hmm. with integration, when we tried so hard to merge into this, this Anglo-American system. And for what reason, I really don't have an understanding of to this day. Or why do we try so hard to integrate into a system that never wanted us to begin with? Uh, yeah. Malcolm, uh, not Malcolm, Martin Luther King even said a quote uh, that I fear I've integrated my people into a burning house. Mm-hmm. So I that's, to know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I want to know: Did you know anything really uh, as it pertains, or have in the past have our civil rights leaders been co-opted and and being led led straight led straight to like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King? You know anything about that? I do, but that, that's the, actually the end of the show. What I should do is, is maybe go into some of that in another show. But, but you're, you're right on the right track, absolutely on the right track, that you, you can't force everybody to be the same. We are different, and we should really be happy at that. These guys want a standardized society and a, a particular type they're creating for the future. Like a, a Jack Satali said, the creme de la creme, out of all groups, the rest have to die off, all those who can't quite make it. You're quite right. Thanks for calling. And uh, call again, and I'll also do John in Alaska next time. From myself and Hamish in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your God's go with you.